You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Once again, good morning. Uh, It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be you. It's a good day to be around family. It's a good day to be in the house of God. The house of God. Um, I'm just letting my, my message settle in me right now. That's why I'm just playing around right now. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, so I, I'm gonna, we're going to tackle a bit of a subject today uh, called destiny. Anybody? Anybody? How many of you feel like destiny is a hard one to wrap your mind around? Anyone? Oh, the rest of you are just killing it. Right on. <laughs> Everybody else is like, whatever, it just happens to me. I'm like going for the ride. Good for you. And for the four that raised their hand, I'll be talking to you today and myself. So the five of us will have church while the rest of them just gloat. Yeah. I want to talk about destiny this morning because destiny feels like, uh, you know, it's a big topic. And it feels like something that can be missed so easily. And it almost feels like, uh, like you're on the road going somewhere and your GPS is rerouting far too long and you're like, I'm probably missing the turn it wants me to turn out as it's rerouting. I'm not getting clear information. I'm not sure how to get there. I'm just guessing at this point. Do I go north, south, east? I have no idea. And, and, and it feels like the road signs are foggy and it feels like you're walking on a tightrope sometimes. Anybody? Does anyone ever feel that way? Okay, thank you. Golly. Sometimes I, I feel like I have to pay you guys to agree with me sometimes. Faith put her hand out. Jake put his hand out. Dang it. I, threw, I literally took my wallet out of my pocket and gave it to Lacey before I started speaking because I was ready for that. I have no money on me. I'm sorry. I can't pay you. So. <laughs> my phone's over there. Destiny. It's... it's it's, and especially, I feel like it's especially this way in the kingdom. Like without belief in God, without any kind of like anything like that, destiny feels, I think, much easier because it's up to you, right? It, it may be not easier in the steps you, you perceive to get there, but easier in choosing it because you're like, I choose this. But it's so much different as a believer because it's not, I choose this, it's, it's a little bit of that and a lot of bit of what are you doing, God, right? And, and destiny in that sense, I mean, how many of you this year alone have had a time where you feel like God's very quiet with you? We're getting more honest. Good. I'll just keep asking questions until we're all here, right? And how many of you would say the quietest times this year have been the times where you need the most clarity? Thank you. This is where we're going, okay? So I wasn't trying to trick you before with the questions. I wasn't like, oh, sinner. You know, one person, I ask a question, one person raised their hand and we're like, we found him. (laughs) Judas. You know, I'm like, the one who raises his hand will be the one who denies me. (laughs) It's not what we're doing. I'm asking questions so I don't feel alone. (laughs) It's just for me right now. Okay, no. But. It is that way, isn't it? Like when life gets loud and you feel like you need the most clarity seems to be the time where it's hardest to hear. And, and you're like, I don't want to miss it. I remember as a new Christian, it was, it was, I felt like I was walking a tightrope. Every step needed to be placed perfectly or I could miss it. 
Like I could miss God. I could miss destiny. I could miss an opportunity that would never represent itself. I could miss it completely. And then where am I? Like I'm with everybody else that missed it. And we're just kind of like the cleanup crew, you know, like for everybody else's destiny. We're like, here, you drop this here. (laughs) You know, like I have no destiny. I went right instead of left. And, uh, you know, there you go. So Yes, I don't know if anybody ever feels this way, but in, and especially when it comes to dreams and all these things, it, it feels like destiny is this elusive uh, animal, and, and you're just, that didn't sound good, and you're just trying to, huh? There it is. The animal made its way to the kitchen. But destiny feels like this elusive thing. It feels like this cloudy, unclear, and I have to be perfect, and I have to walk this line, and I have to make the right steps at the right time, and I have to look the right way and act the right way and talk the right way and do the right thing. And I remember when uh, Lacey and I, you know, we first got married, and we graduated school ministry soon after, and we, want, we wanted to go to third year at Bethel, and Chris Fallaton said, nope. I'm not going to let you go to third year. We were like, what? You get, you're, you're not going to take my money? And you're not going to let me come to third year? Like, what is happening here? He said, you're not going to third year. You guys need to go out and do the thing. Like, go get a job doing ministry. That's what you want to do. Why waste time here? Go there and do it, wherever there is. And we were like, oh, my gosh. Where do we go? So we started applying. Well, we didn't really apply. We had people telling us, hey, there's a really great church here hiring a youth pastor. Hey, there's, you know, like uh, Banning said, oh, I know this guy here. Benny said, oh, my brother's church is hiring a youth pastor. Uh, hey, we have a really close relationship with a church in Vacaville. They're hiring a youth pastor. Hey, we have, all, and we were like, had all these options, and we just started interviewing at each one of them. One weekend, we drove to like four different churches in a massive circle, like half of California we covered, which is is like twice of Georgia, half of California, because it's so long. And uh, so we're covering all this area, and it was so wild, because we're like, all of them are great options. That's not how it's supposed to be, right? You're like, God, you, you forgot. Like, you're supposed to make one shine, and the others feel very dark. And then we're like, the Lord hath spoken over our lives. We're going here, right? And we wanted the booming voice of, like, God saying, this is it. I have chosen for you. Do you know this? Like, that's how he sounded then. He was very regal and very, like, Charlton Heston. Exactly. He sounded just like that. Or Walter Cronkite. But he, so we were waiting for this voice from heaven to boom at us, right? Tell me what to do. Control my choices. Make the choice for me so I don't have to actively do much. Like I am along for the ride of destiny and I just show up to the location accidentally and, right? And that's how it works. And then I'm very happy because I had no personal responsibility in the choice. And then if I don't like it, I can complain to God. Instead of like, we are co-doing this thing. We are working together. And then if I get there and hard times happen, because hard times happen. I get there and hard times happen. I can't blame God. I have to go, I heard the word from God. We felt confident in it. And so I'm going to stand on that confidence. Even though it's hard, I'm going to stand on the confidence that we know we're here for a reason. And so then it eliminates my exit plan. Right? But if it's just all up to God and he sent me there, then I have to gruel through it. I'm not happy. Like, God sent me to Asia. You know, I don't even like it here. And he, you know, God the great punisher thought, 
that person doesn't like Asia. Let's send them there and we'll teach them how to love Asia, right? <laughs> like, so that's kind of like as a young Christian, it's kind of how I saw destiny. And then it's the whole thing of don't ever say you're not going to do something because that's what God will have you do, right? How many of you have heard that? Well, because someone had to do something they said they'd never do, like move from California to Georgia and then Georgia to California and then California to Georgia, right? We'll never move back there. Well, you know, people would say, don't ever say never because God will have you do it. I don't know if there's any truth to it. It happened to us, but I don't know if there's any truth to it. (laughs) But this, I'm I'm painting a picture because destiny feels so wild and weird and like... So I'll never be a millionaire is what I keep saying. (laughs) I'll never, I'll never get paid to hunt. I'll never, like, people will never give us free brand new trucks and things like that. That's crazy. I'll never come home today after church and a tractor will be in my front yard with a bow on it, right? Like, so I'm trying it out for you guys. I'll let you know how it goes. If there's truth to it, I'll preach it sometime down the road and we'll all, we'll all do it together. But destiny. Destiny. Like, what is destiny? How is destiny? What's my part in destiny? What's his part in destiny? What does it look like? How do we do it? And over the years, I, destiny has gotten way more simple. See, what I had done is I had wrapped up gifting, calling, anointing, destiny, and dreams all in one scary bowl. And it was all mixed together. You couldn't figure out one from the other. And my personal responsibility, and it was unclear. And his personal responsibility, I felt like was clear, but maybe he was unclear on it. And I was like, bro, what are we doing here? You know? And, and over the years, it's been very simplified. And I'll tell you this. What I've discovered with destiny is, first of all, destiny is not a destination. I always put a destination to destiny, and so I thought, when I get there, then we'll have that, and then we can do that because we'll be there, right? And destination with destiny is very dangerous because we can easily get what's called destination disease. Well, it's not working because I don't have that. Once I have that, then I'll be able to do this, and then I will arrive. Or someone thinks, oh, you know... All these things are going wrong in my life, but once I get that job, it'll all be better. Why? Because that job becomes my destiny. That job becomes really the provider of my life, right? That job in some way becomes an idol and becomes God because once I make it there, that's going to fix everything. When I was unsaved, I was a drug dealer, punk kid, right? Like hurting people because I was a hurting person and all my choices were geared around pain and fear, and violence, and and things that weren't healthy, right? And so I was not loving that. Like, that doesn't sit well with a person's life. It doesn't produce fruit, and it doesn't produce life, right? It produces death, and it produces things that are just hard to live through. And so I always wanted a change, but it, it just didn't feel like that was in the cards for me. And then one day, this guy walked in. I was living in Chico, California. My best friend um, owned a fish store. And so we went to the fish store to, he, to get some money for lunch. And we're living there where I was like 19 years old or something like that. And I'm in the fish store, and this guy didn't realize it, but my dream, 
my secret dream that I thought would never happen was always to be a firefighter, right? My grandfather was a fire chief in Reading, and he's, he's a local hero in Reading. And, um, I mean, he just, the, the man is amazing, right? Just beat COVID at 93. Like, like, like not easy COVID, like go to the hospital on a ventilator, two weeks later gets released from the hospital, and now he's doing PT, physical therapy at home, and just every day we get updates from grandma, and he's just doing the thing, right? He's a little grouchy about it, but he's doing the thing. <laughs> She's like, today he wasn't grouchy, today he got up with a smile on his face, because, you know, you, I'd be grouchy too. 93, you're like, I feel like I deserve a pass at this point, right? Like, <laughs> it's not okay. But anyway, my grandfather was a fire chief, so inside me, secretly, I always wanted to be a firefighter. Firefighter or Navy SEAL as a kid, right? That was the two. And, uh, and firefighter. I even went to firefighting school in college, and then uh, college didn't work for me because when you're making bad choices and the fruit of your life produces death, like those kind of things just don't work well for you. I'm in the fish store, and this guy randomly walks up to us asking about a certain fish, and then he says, oh, and by the way, you know anybody that wants to be a firefighter? And I was like, first of all, weird. Who asks questions like that, random things like that, to people you don't know? And I'm like, me? And he goes, cool, I'll hire you. And I was like, I think there's like some prerequisites. That need. Like, I'm pretty sure... <laughs> that you should look for people that have like certain trainings and things like that. Uh, but he said, I'll hire you. And I'm like, what, what are you hiring me for? And he was the CLO crew liaison organizer for a wildland, wildland firefighting crew. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, great. We have a training camp and it comes up in however many weeks. Uh, I'll give you the address, location, and all the information. You just need to be there. If you pass the camp, then you're in your firefighter. And I was like, oh my gosh. And immediately in my mind, I thought, this is going to fix everything. Everything's going to be fixed by it. I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm no longer going to be a drug dealer. I'm going to be a firefighter. Like, I'm going from zero to hero real quick right now. <laughs> like, it, literally, I'm going from an outcast of society, a problem, like the police knew me, right? Not for good reasons, to a hero. Like, this is awesome. It's going to fix everything. It didn't fix anything. Do you know why? This is the problem with destination disease. Wherever you go, there you are. You bring the internal environment with you that produces the external fruit everywhere you go. And so I thought destination was my destiny and destination would fix everything. Well, months after becoming a firefighter, I realized that these guys... Uh, are a lot like me, and I just became their sales rep. Which doesn't mix well with wildland firefighting. Like, those things and this thing are not supposed to do this, but we did, and uh, there you go. So all of a sudden, I'm the same guy doing the same things, but firefighting. It didn't fix a thing. Why? Because in my mind, I thought the destination would fix the internal and really, the internal produces the fruit at whatever destination you reach. I realized really young as a Christian that the things that God was building inside of me were so important for the places God was going to take me. And so my prayer was this. God, never let me show up at a destination that I have not been prepared to fully thrive in. 
Like, don't let me get on the platform of my life and not have gone through the steps it takes to build me to be the platform person that can, like, fully support that, right? Like, build me to be the guy who thrives in the place that you're taking me to. Do not let me skip the steps and try to get there quickly so I can go, look, everything's better now. And then all of a sudden, I'm me there, right? I want to be the person you want me to be when you get there. So I have to go through the hard steps now to become the person that can hold up under the pressure of whatever your call is. Destiny is not a destination. Destiny is an everyday yielding to relationship with God. That will clear a lot of things up for you. So whether I'm in California or Georgia, I am walking in manifest destiny every day that I choose to go, Jesus, you are the king of my life. What do you want to do today? You're like, it's not that simple. It actually is. It's profoundly simple, which makes it really hard. And for some reason, as people, we're, especially dudes, I don't know, I've never been a lady, so I can't tell you. We, we, I promise. And we... So, been a lot of things, but never a lady. And um, so what, but what we have inside of us is, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I'm a fix-it person. I want to fix things. I want to fix me. I want to fix my life. I want to fix that. I want to fix my wife. Like if she ever brings uh, uh, something, no, listen to me before you start the walk. Uh, oh, you did it. I don't want to fix her because there's things wrong with her. But if she presents a problem or a struggle she's having, whether internal or external, I want to first fix it. I want to be like, well, just do this. Well, just do, and she's like, just, she just stops. And I'm like, oh, oh, I did it again, didn't I? Because she wants me to listen, right? But I'm like, I got one in the chamber. I'm like, this will fix it. I just want to fire solutions at everything, right? It's fixed. Oh, can't fix that can't fix that. Oh, praise him. It's highly absorbent carpet. If you didn't see what happened, my coffee went flying as I was talking about fixing things. But Lacey fixed it for me. I just needed you to listen, babe. <laughs> I just needed you to li- I was looking for understanding, not someone to fix it. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, I... I'm a fix-it person, so I try to fix everybody around me, and I try to fix myself, and I try to fix everything, and, and when that comes to destiny, we think we can fix things and, and create some environment where we're okay, and in doing that, I don't know about you, but it, I want to rush things. I want to skip the long process. Like, we are a fast food people. We're an Amazon Prime people. We're a stream it right now people. We're a, I don't want to wait for the whole season of uh, Yellowstone to come out, so I'll just pay 29 bucks to buy it all, and I'll binge watch the whole dang thing with no commercials, right? Because I'm like, I don't want to wait. I don't have time. I'm, but when that translates to your life, it's problematic. Because you'll fix yourself out of the process that God has put before you to prepare you and build you to be the person that can walk confidently in what he has called you to do. Destiny is not a destination. 
destiny has nothing to do with destination. Destiny is an everyday locking eyes with your father. Destiny is a, I only do what I see him do. Destiny is, I only say what I hear him say. Does this make sense to you? Well, you guys got quiet, so I was like, oh, no, more heresy. (laughs) We're already chanting, right? So (laughs) someone just signed on to the live stream. They're like, oh, sign off. (laughs) Destiny. John Piper said, we waste our lives if we seek our happiness and our significance without reference to Jesus. Destiny is my happiness and my significance is found in him. It's not found in my gift. It's not found in my job. It's not found in my finances. It's not found in my house. It's not found in my things. It's not like the old saying, you can't take it with you when you die. Destiny manifests through eternity. But we put our faith in temporal things, temporary things. And that was weird in my brain. If you could have been there, yeah. If you could have been there. I saw like, I saw like uh, tempura, you know? Yeah. I saw it when I said it. It's one of those mornings. Just bear with me here, guys. Some people like a polished speaker. And if that's you, look, I'm not going to apologize. But, but I will agree with you that I'm not your style. This is not a straight path. It is narrow still, but it winds through the woods. <laughs> he said straight and narrow, but he didn't. He, he was talking about in the, in the pastures, but when it gets to the woods, it does wind a bit. That's my. <clears throat> Destiny is walked out by you agreeing one step at a time with who God sees you as and who he says you are. One step at a time. Not even one day at a time. Not one week at a time. Destiny manifests in your life by you agreeing one step at a time with who he sees you as, who he says you are. The most important step of destiny is you realizing who you are in the grand scheme of all this stuff. You have to be somebody's before you can be something in the kingdom. And you are somebody's. It just depends on who that person is you put on the throne of your life. Destiny is my life lived with Jesus as king and commander. Destiny is my life lived yielded to relationship, not religion. Because you can do everything you think you're supposed to be right, and, and you can miss it then. Destiny is me yielded to him. Destiny is my eyes locked on him. Is this okay? Destiny is an everyday yielding to the leading of the Father. I got to, are you okay with me reading a Bible verse? You guys all right with that? It's not legit until I open. It is a Bible, though it's on the phone. I know that does offend people. It is still a Bible on my phone. The powers that be, worldly, did not get a hold of this version and put in little words to deceive us all. If they did, you can check it with yours. But I'll tell you right now, I'm reading from the ESV, and it is in my phone. People get upset when you read from your phone Bible. I don't understand that. 
Yeah, they haven't had their stuff in storage for a year and a half. That's right. Well, my Bible wasn't in storage for the first year of it. And then all of a sudden, somehow it made it in storage when we moved like the fourth time. Fourth time. Yeah. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's turn to it. I know we read these things. Thank you, Greg. Jeremiah 29, 11. We say these things. We declare these things. People get these things tattooed on their bodies. Let's read it out loud in church just to make it official. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plan for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He knows the plans he has for you. And that, when you read it, should not feel like a ton of pressure for you, but it should feel like a massive relief for you. Why? Because he knows the plans in the future he has for you. Plans for welfare and not evil. Plans for a hope and a future, right? So in reading that, we know, okay, if if he knows the plans he has, then I don't need to fabricate my own plans. I, my job in this whole scenario is to do relationship with the one who knows. And so I yield my life. What does it mean to yield my life? I use caution in the way that I walk in relationship with him and everything else is added to me because of it, right? I don't run out in front of him and try to create a plan for my life. I yield to the prompting of the presence of God and it's not a visitation, it's a habitation. So I'm, it's a constant, it's a relational thing. I yield to him and destiny manifests in my life because destiny is literally found in the yielding, not in the showing up. Like it's not in the destination of I got the job. It's not in the I opened that company. It's not in the I moved to Georgia. You, can I tell you a truth right now? When we, back to the youth pastor thing, because the rest of it was a lie. No, I'm just joking. I said, can I tell you a truth right now? Like it was a new thing in the message. When we moved to Georgia, we had all those options and we were used to like when we moved our first youth pastor job, we had options, but it was like, God, tell us what to do because we were still children in the faith. Now looking back, like I was 21, I was a baby. I was 23 and I got saved at 21. So I was two years old. I was a toddler spiritually, right? God had done a lot in me, but still I needed him to tell me what to do because I didn't know what to do. Do you know when you give your kids powerful choices at a young age, you, you are raising them up to be powerful adults? When you never give your kids choices, you make the choice for them. You are not creating an internal governor in them. You are being an external governor in them. And just like prison has an 85% return rate because prisoners get out and they don't know how to govern themselves because they've never been taught. So they, no one's telling them when to eat, when to sleep, when to wake up, when to go to the bathroom, when to do things, what they can and can't do. So they just blow their lives up. In the same way, if you're not creating an internal governor in your kids by giving them powerful choices and watching what they do with those powerful choices, then you're being an external governor. And when they get out of your sight, they blow things up. And then you're like, what's wrong with these kids? You are. I know shots fired, right? I'm feeling spicy. But in the same way, God's not raising you up to just be commanded to all the time. So you have no internal governor. He's the external governor of your life. And he's like, turn right, make a left, 15 steps under the oak tree. And you're like, oh God, I forgot the first step, right? It's not like that. God gives you power. 
You've not been given a spirit of fear, but what? Power. First word, power. You've been given power. He sees you as someone who's powerful. And so we were like, when we first got our first youth pastor job, we were like, God, make the choice. God, make the choice. And God will humor you for an amount of time, I think. And so he helped us really make that choice, walked us through it. He was very patient, and still we were in the choice, like we made the choice. But when we came to Georgia, it was this. We had other choices too, so this was years, six years later. We're like, we knew we were supposed to transition. We had prophetic words about it. We could feel it in our spirit, but we didn't know where to go. And this was the hardest one because the most important moms and dads in our lives all had different ideas of where they felt the Lord wanted us to go, and they were all great. Yeah, that sucked because we're like, just tell us where to go and we'll do it. We obey well. We obey well. And God was like, nope, not going to happen like that. And we're like, please, Lord, tell us what to do. And this, we got a word from a, a father in our life. And the word was this. You're going to have to tell the fathers in your life no to what they want you to do because God is going to put options in front of you, and you're going to know in your heart what you're supposed to do, but it's not going to be what they want you to do. And we were like, wait a minute. Can we go back to the days of just (laughs) tell me what to do? (laughs) Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can't do, and we'll be blessed for it, right? And so we we had all these important to us people in our lives that were like, we want you to go here. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. We want you to, and and we had to tell them each no. Like people that we really respected and valued and honored, we had to be like, thank you so much for the opportunity, but we feel like God wants to do that. And some of them were like, I don't get it. Why do that? I don't understand. Where does that even fit in this? And we're like, are we hearing the Lord? <laughs> because we still don't know, right? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's a joke. It's a joke. You gotta, that's the other thing with, with living life. You gotta have a little bit of humor, right? Yeah, the first time it was okay. The second time it's gotta be a joke. No, I'm just joking. Chris. So we're trying to go, and this is what God told us. You make the choice. And we're like, this is a test. This has got to be a test, right? Well, this is the thing you need to hear. If you feel like life is testing you, you got an A plus on the test before you ever took it. Because you're not being graded by your actions, you're being graded through relationship, and relationship sees you through the eyes of love, and love says you win every single time. Love says you got an A plus before you ever took the test. Love says you're above and not below. Love says you're more than a conqueror. Love says you're the head and not the tail. Love says you're a winner even if you feel like a loser. Love cheers you on at your worst, and love cheers you on at your best, so you gotta know right there, like, you can't screw up in love. If my actions control him, then he's not God. Who's the more powerful one in the relationship if my actions control him? Yeah, that's, I don't know. I wasn't even planning on saying that, but it felt good when I said it. So when we came here, we had to make a choice. And we had to learn things, like, like big spiritual things. Like, when making a choice, God is with you through the whole thing. And when he gets quiet, it's not because he's punishing you or there's distance. He's getting quiet because he's giving you a little time to think. Sometimes he's quiet because he already told you what to do, but you don't want to keep doing that. 
and so you want a different direction, and you want a different directive, and you're like, God, just answer us, and he's like, I, I told you. I told you six months ago. I never changed. Like, I didn't change my mind. I did tell you. Just keep. So this is the trick. Keep doing what he told you to do until he tells you to do something else. The other thing is this. When making a big decision, follow your peace, and it will lead you to the right answer, because this is why. You do not have peace outside of him. You do not have a resource, a holding tank of peace inside you that is your own that you built. Peace flows from him to you. The only peace available in your life is from him. He is the prince of peace. So his peace flows to you. So if I follow my peace, peace isn't, uh, I just watched Luke, Luke just killed yesterday in a wrestling tournament. He, all three matches I watched, and I'm like, this kid is, I used, to, I used to be a state champion. And I'm like, this kid is good. Like his chest placement, everything he was doing, I'm like, he, he's more than what you could teach. He's also natural at it. He's just really good, right? Like really freaking good. But I remember I had this match when I was in ninth grade. And um, I, I was going up against guys that were seniors. I was in ninth grade, and they were ex-state champions. And I had to go up against them because that's where life brought me. And I remember one match was the worst match ever physically. Like, my arms hurt, my legs hurt, my neck hurt, because me and this guy were just, like, equally ranked, and we were going at it for the entire match. And it was fast, and, I mean, other people left other matches to watch this match, because it was crazy, right? And towards the end of the match, I was up on points, but he just got me in a bad position where he was really close to pinning me. And I remember the feeling I had inside me, right? You ever been there, Luke? Yeah, come on, man. He had an epic final match. It was like to the wire. So same kind of match. And we're going at it. Him and this other guy were equally. And I remember thinking this in my mind. If I just let my shoulder down, it's over. And relief was speaking to me. Like relief was a loud voice. And I thought, if I just let my shoulder down, it's over. Like it was a horrible match. I had hurt myself and it was bad. If I just let my shoulder down, I don't have to do any of this. But there's a big difference between relief and victory. Victory isn't always physically comfortable. Victory isn't always emotionally comfortable. Victory isn't always mentally comfortable. It took all of it to keep my shoulder up. Do you know what happened? In the last, the final seconds of the match, I got a reversal and pinned this kid. And I got up and it haunted me, the voice that I had heard seconds before that saying, just give up. Because relief was talking to me. Listen to me. God is not in the business of relief. He's in the business of victory. And so sometimes in destiny, you have to walk through things. And that's why it's so important to lock eyes with him because other voices will tell you other things. Well, just do this. Oh, it'd be easier if you just did that. Just cut this corner and you'll get there faster. Oh, nobody actually looks at that. So you don't actually have to. They tell you you have to do that, but you don't really have to do that. Just do this. In the kingdom, it's so important that we walk through the hard things with our eyes locked on him because that is literally where destiny is found. 
you're like, well, I, I don't understand destiny still because you're explaining it like it's this thing that has nothing to do with dreams. Yeah, I am because destiny and dreams are two different things. They walk hand in hand with each other. They walk beside each other. Same as your calling, same as your anointing, same as your gifting. All those things walk very close together. They sit down at the same table as eat and eat. But when we get destiny confused with our dreams and our giftings and our callings, all of a sudden the responsibility for destiny falls on our ability to create and to do and we become a human doer instead of a human being and this is the thing he wants you first and foremost and so he's created destiny to be you and him locking eyes together and doing life that is destiny and then dreams and callings and giftings and ability is all added on top of that it's peter when jesus said who do you he said to his disciples who do you say that i am and some say john the baptist some say this some say that some say you're elijah right? The prophet. Some say you're this, some say you're that. And Jesus sat there humoring him, right? And then Peter says something that no one had ever said to him. He said, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus stopped everything and he looked at Peter and he said, aha, there it is right there. Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church, right? And people are like, wow, Peter, he's going to build his church on you. No, Peter, that thing you just did, where instead of listening to all the other voices, instead of listening to all the other things, that thing you just did where you tapped into heaven and you heard something that only the Father could tell you, that's what I'm going to build my church on. And that's destiny right there. It's me no longer listening to all the loudest voices that are not Him. Destiny is me listening to the thing that I could only hear if I'm listening to the Father. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on that. Destiny is you learning to respond to his promptings. Destiny is you learning to hear what he's saying over all the other crazy things. Destiny is even when all the people you honor and respect most in your life have a plan and a purpose for you, your peace rests on something that he's saying that's much quieter but much more revealing of where your heart is, right? Destiny is me yielding my own will to his perfect will. Destiny is me knowing that his plans are far greater than mine. If I were to try to create my own destiny, I would also add my dreams to it and I would shoot way lower than what he's having me aim at. I would do what's comfortable. I would do what I think I can do, right? And that's life outside of God. I'll do what I think I can do. But life with him is crazy. It's wild. It's jumping out of a plane without a parachute. Going, you got me, right, God? <laughs> you got me, right? We're going to do this together, right? And it's quiet. <laughs> All you hear is the wind. <laughs> and you're like, right? Right? <laughs> you know? Life with him is exhilarating. And it's scary. Yes. And it causes you to cry sometimes. <laughs> Life with him is wild. It's not boring. I've said it here before a bunch of times. If Christianity for you is boring, it's not because he's boring. It's because you're boring. Right? It's destiny with him. Like my life yielded to him is wild. It's like the Holy Spirit is described in the Bible like the wind. The Holy Spirit's like the wind. You don't know from where he came or where he's going. It's the wind, and you can't grab the wind, and you can't contain the wind. You can't hold the wind. You could build boxes around the wind, and you get inside that box, and you realize there's no wind in there. It's wild. 
It's crazy. It's exhilarating. It's, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's a kid from Corona Street who couldn't afford to have heat or electricity in his house in the winter because they would, PG&E would come and shut it off and put a little band on it. And we'd be like, but we're going to freeze. And they're like, yeah, pay your bill. It's that kid who never knew what a passport was. And God says, want to travel the world? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Because I know what you want me to do. You want me to speak, and I hate speaking. I don't want to speak. I skipped school because I had to do oral presentations. I would just get up and walk out. I'd be like, I forgot my thing in the car. <laughs> I'd leave school because I hated speaking in front of 10 people. He's like, want to travel the world? No. He's like, it's going to be fun. <laughs> you know, he's all happy and excited about it. And it's, it's that kid traveling the world. Like, my pa- I've worn out passports fill them up. Not because of me. You got to hear this. It's when your life is yielded, his dreams for you are far greater than anything you could think or imagine. Like when you're yielded to him and destiny's manifesting in your life, then dreams get added to that. And there is a favor that's from the father that rests on those dreams. And you're like, we need 222,000 and we have 222. You like that number, huh? You're like, there's something missing. It's called three zeros. <laughs> and zeros don't add up to a lot until you put them after the number you said first, right? You're like, I got $222. He said, I need $222,000. And you're like, God, I know what we can do. Let's start a $222 business instead of a two. And he's like, no, let's do this. Let's travel the world. Uh, I don't know how to. I got no money. I can't do it. And he's like, it's all right. Destiny is me yielding to him and going, you got me, and you got this. If, if I can say you got me, then all the you got this is added on top of that. He is the governor of my life. On a good day, right? Anybody else? On a good day? Because I want to fix things once again. And I want to make things easy once again. And I want to skip a little bit of that process because that process is painful. And I want to do what's good, but he wants to do what's great. And I'm like, great scares me. Good I'm good with. I mean, good used to scare me. <laughs> now good I'm good with. But he's like, let's do great. And I'm like, let's do good. Let's do good. Let's be do-gooders. <laughs> he's like, let's be do-graders. And I'm like, I don't know about all that. It sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it's the elephant. And the mouse that walked across the bridge, they get to the other side and the mouse looks back and looks at the elephant and says, man, I really shook that bridge. It's life yielded to the one who's so much greater than me. His, his, his plans for me are so much greater than I have the ability to believe in myself for, right? His love for me covers me, goes before me, makes a way for me. That's, that's good, guys. It's good to... Anybody ever watch the movie The Shack? <sighs> How many of you in, in, in your dreams, your big dreams, you, you get afraid? How many of you have, be honest, how many of you have found it easier to put those dreams aside and just pursue um, 
what is it? stability? What is it? I couldn't even remember the word. <laughs> right? It would be much easier to put that aside because that doesn't feel stable and just pursue stability. Right? And I'm like, God, I'm afraid. Listen to this quote from the shack. I want it to haunt you. This is from the shack, and this is God talking to the guy, the guy, the guy in the shack. He said, you're imagining your future without me, and that future does not exist. Every time I get scared in my dreams, I have to step back into destiny, which is yielding to him and his truth. And I have to hear his voice say once again, that thing that's scaring you is because you're imagining an outcome or a future without me. And that outcome and that future does not exist. I have to remind myself that no matter what, there's no height or depth or spirit or principality. There's no plan of man. There's no scheme of the enemy. There's nothing in heaven. There's nothing on earth that could ever separate me from the love that God has for me. So I have to hear first, like that thing that's scaring you, that fear feeling you feel. I'm not talking about being anxious because in big dreams and, and that kind of stuff, there's a bit of anxious like, ah, because ah, it's big, it's scary. I'm talking about fear, the thing that, that the dogs of doom that stand at the gate of destiny and bark in your face and they show you their teeth and you're like, ah, oh, that looks scary. I have to step back into destiny because when I feel that, it's when I've taken a slight step out of destiny and I start thinking, how can I make this happen? How can I fix it? How can I create this? How can I, with everything I have in me, how can I hold up this right here, that dream that I have? I have to step back out of that responsibility where I've become the Lord and ruler of my life and I have to step back into his truth and I have to hear his voice. You're imagining a future without me and that future does not exist. So I have to step back into the reality of seeing the future through his eyes where it's him and I walking hand in hand. You guys are so quiet, it makes me nervous. You're thinking, that's nice. John 5, 19. Second verse. Feel good about that. <laughs> Thank you. John five nineteen. You guys want to turn there with me? Or scroll there with me? You want, to hear, you want to get a glimpse of destiny? So let's get this clear also. Jesus didn't come to earth to give you value. You had value. You don't redeem something of no value. It's not redeemable, right? You, this is just practical. I'm not quizzing you. You only redeem something of value. That's literally the definition of Redemption, like it has to have value for that value to be redeemed. If it has no value, you cannot redeem something of no value. Right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, I, I go off your responses back to me. That's how this works. So Jesus didn't come to give you value. Jesus came to reveal your value. And in revealing your value, he also came to show you what it is to walk in destiny. So Jesus came here to show you what it looks like to be you powerfully. Jesus came here to show you what it looks like for you to be a son or a daughter. 
Jesus came here to show you what it looks like for you to thrive because the world had created a narrative that was the opposite of the kingdom narrative. The world created a narrative where a self-made man could look back and praise himself for where he made it in life. And Jesus came to show that he was going to do everything the Father did. He showed that he was going to put his own will aside and look at the Father's will and walk in it. Jesus came here and performed miracles not to show that he really was God because there was no question in his heart whether whether God was God, right? Jesus came and performed miracles to show you what's accessible to you when you walk in destiny, which is yielding to the Father. Jesus came to show what a good son was and then extended the invitation for all of us to be good sons and daughters. Well, it's a translation. We're the bride of Christ. You're the sons of God. John, John 5, 19. Jesus says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For, for, for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. This is Jesus. And you go, wow, oh, to be Jesus. No, no. This is Jesus going, look who you are. Look what's available to you. Look what being yielded does. Look what life with God looks like. He was representing you. He was showing you what life, full life, not just life, but life more abundant looks like. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say, you can go through, you'll hear Jesus say this over and over. John five nineteen is just one that I picked out. You'll hear him say it over and over and over and over again. He was watching the Father and walking through life with his eyes on God. And that's what we're called to do. And that is manifest destiny. Whether I'm in California or Georgia, it works. And then my dreams get added to that. And my gift gets added to that. And my anointing gets added to that. Listen to this. If I never, ever came to church and spoke ever again, I could still live fully in my destiny. Because my destiny is not determined by the impact of my gift. The impact of my gift is determined by my destiny. And my destiny is determined by my yielding. Because destiny is me yielding to him. And then I sit perfectly in destiny right there. Destiny is easier than we make it. Do you guys agree with me? Well, that's good. If you find yourself in fear of the future, you're imagining your future without him. And that future does not exist. Destiny is not a destination. Destiny is not an arrival. We never plateau in destiny. We never get there in destiny. You never become big enough. Like, you never do enough. It's not about any of those things. Destiny is a constant yielding. It's all the way through life, yielding to him. It's every day. 
It's getting comfortable with knowing you're not the smartest one in this conversation, right? It's getting comfortable knowing that you are not the provider of your life. Even though that paycheck has your name on it, you're not your provider. The company you work for is not your provider. Your boss is not your provider. They might sign that check, but you know what? There is a provider, and he's bigger than all of them. And when I can lock eyes with him and live, truly live, yielded, in destiny, then my dreams can be added to that. And that's where the work really starts, right? Because dreams are different than destiny. Destiny is me yielding. Dreams are me getting up and doing something with it. And so dreams are hard. And we're in the middle of a dream right now, and it's, it's the hard stages of the dream, right? It's the part of the dream where you're like, wait, where's comfortable? Where'd comfortable go? Comfortable, where are you? And comfortable like left a long time ago. Like comfortable jumped out of the car on the freeway going 78 miles an hour. Comfortable got buried way back there because I'm like, wait, comfortable, where are you? Or fair. It's not fair. And God's like, life's not fair. Who told you life was fair? Well, <laughs> we'll, end with a, we'll end with a little something from uh, Randall Worley. Yay. Everybody said yay. So Randall Worley has a book called Wondering and Wondering. And it talks about destiny. And he says, the dream of your destiny is free and comes as effortly as dreaming. But the journey towards actualizing your destiny is going to come with a cost. Listen to me. Destiny is the thing where you're yielding. That dream that gets added to it. Like we have a dream to have a fully functioning beyond organic farm that feeds really good food to people and we want the foster care system involved in what we do so kids can come out and and love animals and do things and we want to do this massive thing out there in Sonoy, Georgia and uh, we all this stuff and it's huge and it's scary and it's and it's yielded and it's all, all this stuff and it's bigger than us and it's more money than we could ever make in a lifetime to build the things, right? Like it's just all these things. And so that dream is scary. It's huge. My job is to yield. My job is to sit in destiny. My job is to just do what he puts in front of me and then do the work it takes that he puts in front of me to do the dream. But at the end of the day, he has to provide it. He has to do it. He opens the doors. I never want to walk through a door that God didn't open. Our job is to follow our peace. Our job is to move when he says move. Our job is to stay put when he says stay put. Hold. I just watched a video. It's a guy with the phone on him. And it's like, you know, trying to follow God. And he's got the phone on his face. And you hear a voice. And he says, hold, 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 go. And he's like, the camera's like this. And he says, kind of how it is walking by faith, right? You're like, don't move, don't move, don't run. And you're like, ah. So funny. I forgot we saw that yesterday, huh? Destiny is easy. Destiny is, watch what he's doing. Destiny is, hear his heart for you. Destiny is, yield. Destiny is, you're a much-loved son or daughter. Destiny is, I get to relax in who you say I am. Destiny literally kicks back in the lazy boy of relationship and receives love from the Father. Dreams, there's action and work, and it's hard, and you'll get calluses and all that stuff, but it's so worth it. But destiny is yielding. And that's where you start. Listen to me. You have to be able to hear the word come 
before you ever hear the word go. Remember that. You have to be able to hear the word come before you ever hear the word go. If you get those two mixed up, then you are the creator of your destiny. You are the fulfiller of your dreams, right? In that way, it's very easy when it rains to turn and thank the clouds. It's very easy to see everything as circumstantial. It's very easy to miss favor. It's very easy to miss the leading of the Lord. But when I can realize that my first job is to hear the word come. He said, come to me all who are weary, all who are heavy laden. Come to me as you are, right? So I have to hear that first. And that's my position in life. And from that place, then I can go. And that's where destiny and dreams and gifting and call and all those things join hands and life becomes real spicy. Life becomes real fun. Life becomes real crazy. Life becomes like this thing that's lived in the 11th hour, right? Still got 222. (laughs) He said 222,000 11th hour. And then he comes through. Why? Because it's about faith. It's crazy, right? It's Martin Luther King Jr. You don't see the staircase, but you take the next step. Going, okay, God, here we go. You jump out of the airplane without a parachute. You got me, right? Destiny is not a destination. Destiny is an everyday yielding to who he is. I have no idea what time it is. It's 12.09, perfect time to be done. Can you stand with me? I was really inspired by the message that Julie spoke a few weeks ago about soils. Uh, she, she talked about the seed that was scattered, you know, the parable in the Bible, the seed that's scattered uh, on the path, on the rocky ground where the thorns are, and then in good soil. I was really inspired by that message. It really spoke to me. And uh, one of the things that, that jumped out to me was the seed that was scattered on the path. And the Lord immediately started talking to me about the path. And the path is the thing that, that is a destiny killer. The path is the place that you've walked before over and over and over again, and it's beat down with your feet print because you've been there. The path is your experiences. The path is your disappointments. The path is your failures, and the path is your successes, right? The path is something you know well, and that seed was scattered there, but it couldn't grow well. Why? Because experience spoke louder than the ability for that seed to grow, right? Listen to me. The thing that will kill destiny is you listening to your experiences, your failures, and your successes over the still small voice of what he's saying. You've got to get off the path to truly live in destiny. The good soil is found off the path. I promise you that. Somebody needs to hear that. The things that you've experienced do not prophesy your future. Your failures do not prophesy your destiny. Your successes do not secure your future either. What secures those things is resting in who he is, truly being a son or a daughter who's yielded to the love of the Father. And in that, the things can happen. In that, the seed grows well. Put a hand on your heart, will you? Father, teach us what it is to simply live in destiny. God, teach us what it is to rest in who you are and who you say that we are. God, show us the most successful place in life is the place where you're loving us 
and we're loving you back. God, I ask that you would untangle uh, the yarn of destiny and dreaming and calls and purposes and anointings and all the things and just bring us back to the simplicity of the gospel. Father, let each one of us hear the words of you. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Let us learn to rest in who you say we are before we ever try to go be something. Father, I thank you for destiny. I thank you that you've made it simple and you've made it easy. God, teach us how to not complicate what you've made simple and easy. God, teach us to dream from destiny. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Let's, let's cancel a lie real quick while we're, and then we'll be done. Let's cancel a lie real quick while we're talking about it. <clears throat> there is a lie that someone's believing that says it's too late and you missed it. That's a filthy one. That's a sneaky one. It's too late. Let's just talk about that. God lives outside of time and space. God is not concerned about years. God is not concerned about age. God is not concerned about qualifiers. God is not concerned about all the things that we would say are prerequisites for that thing to happen in our life. God is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end all at once. On the train of time, he's in every car from beginning to end right now. He can go back and rewrite your past while he is preparing your future. Time does not exist in God's world. Time exists in our world. And that, that lie of it's too late is foul. It doesn't smell right because it isn't right. He is saying it's never too late with him. And the other thing, you missed it, guess what? He's beautiful, and he's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and seventh chances. Keep getting back up and put your eyes on him and watch what happens. He can make what would have taken 10 years take 10 days. I promise you that. So that lie, I know I'm supposed to be done. Somebody's alarm's going off. You guys set alarms for me. It's very kind, but it's also... Also feels a little like, well, okay, I, I get it. I get it. A little passive aggressive, right? Just say what you need to say. <laughs> say what you need to say. I said I wouldn't sing. I just. So, Father, I thank you that, that in yielding to you, it is the perfect environment for lies to die and for truth to sprout up. I thank you, God, that when we lock eyes with yours, that hope and joy and peace and faith and love and all the things are easier, God. I thank you, Lord, that you speak truth over us. I thank you, God, that in your love we are found. And when we can find ourselves in your love, then all the dreams just begin to happen. When we can find ourselves in your love, then all the pressure just gets relieved. When we can find ourselves in your love, then no longer are we self-made, but we are truly beginning to yield to your lordship. 
So God, I ask that you would teach us this one, that you would walk us faithfully through this one. In Jesus' name.